from 11FS. I'm Simon Taylor, and this is Fintech Insider News. Coming up on today's show, all the week's top stories, including Monzo's hot coral cards being used as icebreakers, hot ice, in London bars, trick or treat celebrity crypto endorsements, and the Halloween edition of the Fintech Wall of Emoji. All of this and more on today's extra special After Dark episode of Fintech Insider News. Welcome to Fintech Insider After Dark, number two. For those of you listening at home and around the world, this is our second show in front of a real live audience um, at our offices in WeWork London. Crowd, how are you doing? Are you doing well? That's what we like. So my name is Simon Taylor, and I'm joined by my co-hosts and colleagues, David Breer and Jason Bates. And I'm knocking over microphones already. David, how are you doing? Good. <laughs> if you stop throwing mics at me, I'll be fine. That's, that was weird. Uh, good. Really, really busy week. Fantastic. Yeah. Like, I actually didn't think I was going to make it because I was like mid-presentation sort of coming over. So uh, Ewan and Charlie, who will be on shortly, really amazing presentation. So uh, feeling kind of high in endorphins right now. So if I, uh, if I kind of... You're feeling high dolphins. Oh, uh, yeah. Really <laughs> high dolphins. So uh, if, uh, if I go all supersonic at some point halfway through this and I get all... <laughs> then uh, you know why, right? So that's why they call it fintech, right? Oh. Oh. <laughs> that wasn't even in the show notes. No. <laughs> oh, uh, Jason, tell us how you've been doing. Jake, so. I've had a. I've had a busy week as well. I, I was making notes because it actually seems like a two-week week. You know, when that Monday seems so far away. We're, we're not going to get into that kind of like work rights, eight, 16 hour week type, <laughs> 16 hour day shit again. I, I think we, we covered the whole Revolut thing. Okay, fine. Week. Okay. Um, so I was talking to Indonesian, Vietnamese, Singaporean banks, two people starting new banks in different segments in the UK who have funding to do it, asset managers, private bank, uh, basically the whole world's decided they're going digital this week. So it's just crazy. Well, they might as well do it. Everyone's doing it, it right? It, it feels like a competition. I wish I'd gone longer now. Like, uh, like, <laughs> yeah, no, no. Is that all you did this yeah, week? No. One presentation. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I've been mostly watching the price of Bitcoin because, oh my God. Oh my God, have you seen? Um, this week I've been mostly. And um, I wish I could tell you more about what I've been up to talking to some tech companies. In was the that future. a Far Show reference? Yes, it was. <laughs> nice. Thank you, somebody who got it. Yes. Thank <laughs> you. Far Show references for the win. As you can tell by the decorations and the T-shirts, uh, we've done some, some people have done some fancy dress. I, I copped out because I'm, I'm sad. Um, but this Halloween-themed show, we've got both tricks and treats lined up for you, including the Halloween special of the now legendary fintech wall of emoji. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All will be revealed very, very soon. But first up, we've got to bring our guests. First up, of course, we have the lovely, lovely Valentina Christensen, the head of marketing at Oak North. Valentina, will you join us, please? <laughs> and secondly, we have Charlie Wood from Capco. Please give Charlie a round of applause, everybody. Uh, and finally, we have uh, journalist for Forbes, Telegraph, the BBC, and the storyteller of all storytellers. It is the one and only Monty Munford. Will you join us, sir? <laughs> so without further ado, thank you, everybody, for joining us on the show today. Audience, are you ready? Yes. <laughs> Let's start the show. All right, first up, Jason, to get us started, there's a story in Mashable submitted onto fintechinsidernews.com, which you should all check out if you haven't already, um, by Nine Pine. Uh, there's a story about the bank that's apparently so cool, it's become a chat-up line in London's bars. Jason. <laughs> well, as a co-founder and shareholder, I'm probably a bit biased That here. sounds like uh, a chat-up line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an even better chat-up line. Try that one. Um, so this is about my favorite challenger bank, Monzo, and the buzz it's generating. The thing that interests me here is that as a chat-up line, it has to have a few things, or there's a few things about the bank that's, that are coming into play. So you've obviously got that waiting list, 20,000, 30,000 people waiting. So there's that social currency. 
you've got that aspirational kind of hip virtuous thing going on, but you've got a hot coral card that you can recognize. So it's that, oh, you see that hot guy, that hot girl, and you think, oh, I've got to think of something to talk to them about. They pull out the card to, uh, to, to buy a drink. What do you say? Oh, so you're a Monzo customer, are you? I'm not sure it's going to work, to be yeah. honest. Oh. <laughs> thank, thank goodness you said that, because I thought you were going to say that was going to work at that point. Like, I was like hair standing up on the back of my neck type job. So uh, that's quite, quite terrifying. Though. Like, who, who actually uses a challenger bank in the, the room? If you have a Monzo card, can you just put it up in the air? I, I'm not, I'm not going to call anybody out here, but I see a lot of people from banks holding up cards right now. <laughs> That's quite an intro, like quite embarrassing. Not going to say who it is because a lot of people listen that, that to was this. About seventy-five percent. Yeah, the room that's impressive. Just hold up a card, and like, some of you work for banks, and yeah, you know who you are. We've we've got to be in like a kind of a weird bubble with what we do right now, I, I guess. But that's a lot. I, like I see Starling cards, I see Monzo cards, I see. Oh, and Nigel Walsh using Apple Pay. Thank you very much, <laughs> Nigel. Really, really appreciate it. That's uh, that's good. Um, but no, it's, a, it's an interesting, like even Soldo, I'm seeing more and more and more. I don't know if you guys have kind of, there we go. There's one of them nice. in the background. Nice. Oh, and a, a curve card as well. Ooh. Monty, what do you think? Um, I <laughs> think it's quite funny what you're doing at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it's, it's advertising in a different way, right? Traditionally, it's all about branding and colours and stuff and yes the hot coral colour is definitely a colour and I've had unfortunately guys mention it to me at bars never a girl comes up to me and says oh you're a Monzo you're customer a it's always a guy oh, it's always the barista behind the bar but um, but, but it's, it feels like it's all about community I mean the, the branding aspect doesn't feel like it's traditional branding it feels like it's more like oh you're part of that community and you've got like now a brightly coloured label that says you're part of that it's community it's Seth Godin's cool. tribes isn't it yeah, I, I don't think it's it's generally about like, hey, you're hot and that, like, you know, I'm sure you. Well, I know you are, Charlie. That's, that's absolutely fine. But I, I think definitely it's about like, hey, like you're one of me. Like I'm with you. Like we're we, part of the same we have a thing. We're part of the same tribe. Yeah. We 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 believe the same thing. I, I was talking to a building society about membership and the the fact that building societies are built built around that whole idea of group equity ownership in the entire thing. Yet actually, a lot of building societies have almost become banks in the way that they market things. They're actually selling on price. They're not selling that ownership anymore. And bizarrely, while Monzo has customers, you might argue that they have a, a stronger membership, uh, essentially as a vibe, than, than a building society, which is, which is odd to me. Valentina, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, well, I live in uh, Clapham Junction, so pretty much uh, Millennial Central. And I remember about a year ago, I definitely felt like when I, you know, took out my Monzo card that I was, you know, really cool fintech person, you know, ahead of the curve. And now, like, literally everyone has curve. one. There. <laughs> <laughs> but then now, actually, it's, they've kind of even evolved past that. They're not even really a niche product anymore in, in the way that I think they were a year ago, because you can see loads of people with them. I mean, as evidenced by all the, all the hands that came up in this room. So are we going to get all hipster? Like, do we need like a, we need to be using a bank that nobody's heard of, right? Like, I want that. I, I don't want any numbers on the front. I just want it completely by I'm just card, saying, right? Jason was doing it before it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but Jason, there's another story here on uh, Business Insider, submitted to uh, fintechinsidernews.com by the one and only Mr. Nigel Walsh. Britain's fintech boom pushes Binance trademarks to a record high. Do you know what this one's about? Yeah, so this, is, this was the bane of my life. Trademarks registered by finance firms have risen by 35% in the last five years to 4,228. The Treasury has said that the sector's worth 7 billion and employs 60,000 people, but this is all really about those names. So names trademarked last year include Zentity, the automated cash payment system, Numus Cash, I assume that rhymes with hummus or something, I mean, but... <laughs> Numus Cash and the peer-to-peer -peer lender Bondora. Uh, so, in, so it, it, we're just getting to that point where, okay, four thousand names in the last few years. If any of you try and create any fintech or new bank proposition and look for names, you are doomed. Because anything, two or three word associations away from money has gone. Um, Greek gods, planets, constellations, forget it all gone. They've all gone. And now we're getting to that stage where you just take random syllables, add them together, and you come up with numus. Mons <laughs> Monzo. Whoa. Oh, hey, hey, I'm, oh. I'm sorry. Oh, hey. that, that, that is the exception, obviously. 
so to, uh, like ha- going through the process right now in trying to name a thing, it's actually it is impossible because like any normal name is completely taken by like really random companies as well. Like, it's really quite annoying. So like, are we just going to have to start making up word? Like, we need a. There has to be somebody, somebody must have made this on the internet, like a fintech name generator of some description, right? Yeah, no, it must exist. Although we're going to say we've got uh, a Challenger Bank right here who's now uh, a Challenger Bank unicorn, in fact, at Oak North. And Oak North doesn't, <laughs> seems to buck the trend a little bit. Oak North says something quite different. I guess, what was behind the naming? Uh, so actually, it was because our founders, they, their previous company was called Copal, which is a type of tree. So they, they said it was a very successful company. They, they exited after 12 years. And uh, they said, okay, well, that was a good, that was a good thing. So we want to yeah, do it again. Worked. So they then wanted to, to name the second uh, venture after a tree as well, um, which was where the oak comes in. And then North, because we actually lend to entrepreneurs and fast growth businesses. And North is the direction we want to take them in. So they sort of amalgamated the two to come up with Oak North. But we, we're actually going through the process now of trying to trademark, and it's about three to four months. It's four months if you get contested, but it's three months if you know, everyone's very happy for you to go ahead. When we were looking at uh, Starling and Monzo way back in the day, uh, quite a few brand people said, what do you want the name to do? Because Oak North, to me, sounds like strong and upright. It's one of those sort of trustworthy names, Oak North. If Jon Snow banked anywhere, it'd be Oak Is- North. <laughs> <laughs> But the the, quite, the interesting you, question... You mean the newsreader, right? Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the interesting question for a fintech is, do you need that trust or do you need something different? Do you need to break through the noise? And so I think you see them going in different directions. Some sound extremely trustworthy and your money will be safe with us. Others are, we just need to be named something different, mildly pleasant, that hasn't just a, a vague association and that is, is good to say. And, and I think a lot are going that direction now. What, what was the thing we were talking about last week? The Digi Piggy. Digi Piggy. That's fun to oh, say. Oh, Digi Piggy. Digi Piggy. Yes. But I think it's also, I mean, one of the things that the article said was that because of the, the relative ease in financial services for products to become very commoditized and for Me Too products to, to emerge, that's why uh, there's you know, quite a few um, financial services and fintech companies now looking to, to trademark their name because of that, more so in, in fintech or financial services than you'd find in other sectors. Two, two other trademark stories that grab my attention. You know when you kind of start looking at something and then the internet thing happens and you just end up looking at other stuff? Go down the rabbit hole, man. Um, he was, said so, he was so busy this week, didn't he? <laughs> So KitKat lost a case because the shape of KitKat isn't distinctive enough. So any chocolatiers out there, now's the time. And secondly, the shape of a black cab was also refused as being distinctive. So actually, if you make a car now, and the manufacturer said, like, a black cab, it has that grille, it has the high thing, it's our shape. Apparently it isn't. Really? Is that true? Uh, I've heard that the Harley Davidson have managed to somehow trademark or copyright their, their exhaust noise. That, that sounds mad. No yeah. way. Apparently. Hey, but that's what the internet says. Oh, no, did, don't believe the internet. Didn't Orange try and do it with a colour? Like a Pantone colour a few yeah. years ago? Didn't o- they orange try trying to trademark Orange. Yeah, did absolutely. They? <laughs> no, it was, actually, it was actually red. That was the awkward part. Yeah. They, they get there's a fruit, right? Yeah, I was going to say the fruit would be annoyed. Alrighty, uh, David, next story we have is one in The Verge. Uh, and this one is, uh, the title of this one is, A Verge Tech Survey Says That People Trust Amazon Almost As Much As They Trust Their Bank. David, what's going on here? Yeah, this, uh, like, used to really love The Verge, I have to say. Back when uh, Josh Topolsky was there, like, amazing in terms of everything that they did. Haven't really kept in touch with them so much. They do a really good podcast, though. Everybody go and listen to it. Um, so they, they put a really interesting survey out, some really interesting graphs in here, and one that I imagine we'll be seeing at probably uh, most conferences we go to for the next nine months that people are going to be quoting. Uh, but this is, people trust Amazon almost as much as they trust their bank. And actually, when they were looking through it, you've got Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, and Twitter in this this instance. And they trust all of them more than they trust their bank banks. No, I think it was getting close to the bank, wasn't it? Amazon was really, really close. um, And then like, it's almost like a downward ranking. So they trust the bank most, but Amazon is like this far away. Like like that much. But I like, I trust Amazon more than I trust anybody in this room. I'll be honest with you. Like, Not Alexa. I know she's always listening, but when I asked Amazon to do a thing, like Amazon does a thing and it turns up, you know, like I can't really say that for my bank. 
Well, it's what, it's what you're trusting it with, right? The whole article is about personal information. Uh, Amazon has no service if it doesn't have personal information on me. They're, they're just, the whole platform falls over unless I'm actively searching for things. Um, so would I trust Amazon with all of my money? Maybe not. And so that might be a different perspective on it. I, I'd, I'd probably happily trust you with my wallet, but I definitely wouldn't trust you with my Facebook. <laughs> so, so. I think that's fair, to be honest. I think that there's a thing in trust and banking where it really does break down into a... Into, into different types of trust. Do I trust the bank that they're not going to, that they're going to give me my money back? Yes, I do. I, I trust all of them. But if I put my money in, then I get it back. Do I trust they're not going to screw me on charges at every possible juncture? I don't. I don't. So it, it's interesting there that by just asking the question, it's like, do you trust your bank? Well, I trust they give me my money back, but that's about it. Otherwise, there's always that, that conflict, always that thing. I just don't trust any of them. <laughs> Even discrimination across the board. <laughs> Let's let like that hang for a second. You can pick the mic up and drop it, it's fine. <laughs> Um, but actually, when I when I read this story, then I was quite uh, quite keen to sort of delve a little bit deeper into into the the research because I'm a bit of a saddo. Um, but basically, uh, so people might have heard of uh, NPS scores, so Net Promoter Score, sorry. Um, and uh, Apple has a Net Promoter Score of 72. Amazon's got a Net Promoter Score of 69, and the average UK bank has a Net Promoter Score of 42. So it does show that even though they might, you know, trust their their bank more than they trust uh, these these brands, they will actually, uh, you know, that the brand affinity yeah, is a exactly. lot higher for a technology company. So a bit of audience participation time. I want to see by show of hands, um, and you know, this is a bit of a fintech sample size, but you know, let, let's just do a show of hands. Would who would you trust more, your current current account bank or Amazon? So your current account bank, who would you trust more? You would trust your current account bank more. Hands up now. Wow, that's pretty much everybody. And then you would trust Amazon more? Okay, maybe 25% for, for Amazon. What about um, Facebook? You would trust your current account bank more than Facebook, show of hands? Ooh. Oh, wow. A lot of love for Facebook. That's no, no, that was the bank. That was, that the, was bank. the bank. Oh, yeah. they, thank God, thank God. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I, I've got some timeshare I'd like to sell. Um, if you can all meet me back later on, you seem like really trusting people. Uh, okay, so a lot of people trust their bank more than Facebook. Anybody trust almost Facebook? everyone? Anybody trust Facebook more than their bank out there? Anyone? I, no loan ranges, nothing. No? We're in the middle of like fintech shortage, the the center of that whole world, and look. Like they do have a bit of a fake news problem with the Paul, moment. And, Paul and, and Mark Zuckerberg, what has he done for you? Come yeah. on. You know, They're like all this... Monzo fanboys, that's what it is. Oh, yeah. there, we <laughs> there we go. They prefer Monzo, clearly. Um, Jason, next story submitted to fintechinsidernews.com by Emika. Sorry, oh, Emika, I'm not going to try and say your last name because it has too many vowels. I apologize. I don't wish to butcher it. Um, on the uh, Financial Times... This one uh, says the Wolf of Wall Street, for everyone who's seen that movie, uh, that guy warns that ICOs are the biggest scam ever. Bit rich, no? <laughs> See, I, I love the fact that I'm given this, and you, like you're hosting this, because this is obviously your kind of story. Um, 202 ICOs have raised just over $3 billion, according to coinschedule.com, mostly for ventures promising to improve the experience of trading and investing in digital currencies. How incestuous does that get? $202 billion from people who are already crypto millionaires in order to improve the thing that they're doing. It's an ecosystem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the, I think the problem is that, sure, there are some, as you've described, uh, some of the best features and some of the best companies here are selling tickets to a fairground that hasn't been created yet. And they want that fairground ride to be created. They want that new service, that new protocol, and they're willing to buy tickets. But in there, there are a whole bunch of scammers that have gone, what, you raised 220 million? I'm in. I'm raising. What am I raising for? Uh, I don't know, but I'm up for my 220 million. Thanks very much. But don't you think that's peaked? I got a press release this week, right? And it was uh, an ICO for a charity dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, you know what? Maybe. How do I trade those? Well, yeah, <laughs> next. Fiat. How many courses was it? Was it like a. <laughs> I just, I just, it's just 
on the back of what can, you're saying. Can you imagine that they end up raising like 25 million and then suddenly they think, oh, fuck, we've, we've, we've raised 25 million for dinner for 200 uh, people. Uncapped ICOs, it could happen. Like, Beyonce, are you free? Because we've, <laughs> we've got to spend this stuff. Get me some foie gras, you <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Amazing. So, like, that three billion number is not insignificant. And just to put it in some context, um, the Innovate Finance study that um, comes out every half year and in looking into fintech, the last study they did, uh, looking at the kind of the pulse of fintech, said that in the first half of 2017, fintech globally raised an estimated $6.1, $6.2 billion. ICOs are already half that, and they just became a thing. There's definitely an argument for they're a bubble, without question. But it seems like everyone's talking about them. And I was talking to um, a blockchain startup a couple of weeks ago who was going to VCs and they kept saying, yeah, I, I don't care about your business plan. Where's your token? And this is really seriously happening. It's, it's crazy. You time. just need a, a blockchain machine learning ICO and you are set basically, aren't you? Oh, yeah. No, I've seen um, something on Facebook earlier that was advertised to me that was um, the future of VR on a blockchain with machine learning. I was like, wow. <laughs> they, they, they went triple down. They went all the way. Buzzword bingo it all but, the way. But uh, what I don't get, though, is like if everybody who got into cryptocurrency early is like smart, makes sense, right? Now they're just chucking stuff at like random documents that are just crazy like you know so like smart people got dumb or smart people got really rich and then dumb what what happened well, I think that's also where the regulation part of it comes in. So China and South Korea have already have already banned them, and uh, the FCA, the, the regulator here in the UK, uh, issued a warning back in September about ICOs and the fact that, you know, be careful. They haven't uh, sort of intervened yet, but it's a bit like, you know, the peer-to-peer -peer lending sector back in the very beginning in its infancy. The regulator almost gave the UK a bit of space, uh, you know, to, to mature. And then it was, I think, 2013, 2014, when peer-to-peer -peer lenders actually, you know, became regulated and then had to adhere to a a lot of the, uh, you know, the very strict regulation that a lot of um, banks have to adhere to. So that's maybe what we're going to see with, with this is they're kind of taking a step back, letting it mature a little bit, and then maybe they'll, they'll intervene at a point when they think it's, it's a bit more mainstream. Yeah, but the thing, the thing about China buying, banning ICOs, n nothing happened. No, the prices keep nothing rocketing. It, it's you like a thought It was just bang. Yeah. Nothing happened. But they've but they banned Facebook and Twitter and Google and still pe like, people are still using it out there. It's like VPNs exist. And, and for a man who was stuck in China for 14 hours on the way to Australia, you know that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that freaked me out. Like, <laughs> genuinely not being able to use Google for 12 hours was like weird torture. It really, like, I didn't know how to find out how to set up a VPN because actually, how do you Google that shit? You know, like, it freaks me out. I, I, I want to come back to the point Valentina made, though, about like there is this barbell approach of regulators of either we're going to ban it or we're going to try and be patient and try and let the industry figure out its um, its code of conduct. Uh, so I look at the peer-to-peer -peer industry in the UK and crowdfunding in the UK is a really good case study of an industry that got together, they created a trade body, and they said, we know that there are risks here to average people, to, to investors. We're going to come up with best practice. It's going to be voluntary. And actually, I think we need something like that. I think we need a sort of grouping of people who want to do it well, because the model where you have a foundation in Switzerland and that gets all the money and it pays it to a company in the US, it's just, you've just got to look at what happened with Tezos. Uh, to see that that doesn't always necessarily... Yeah, but it's amazing for journalists, isn't it? I mean, talk about Wild West and the stories oh, that come I, out I from this thing. I love it. It's <laughs> mental. <laughs> and it's not even started, I don't think. It's you know, only just getting going. Whereas people start committing suicide and driving cars off cliffs and shit. <laughs> I, I think it's That's a matter it, of time and I, I think sometimes it's already happened. Yeah, um, But... We've got some audience participation. We've got a thing we like to call trick or treat, which is basically true or false. Um, so uh, trick or treat on has a celebrity endorsed an ICO or cryptocurrency? So you're going to shout treat if you think they did. So treat, treat, they did, they did endorse it. And you're going to shout trick if you think they have not endorsed it. It's a trick, they haven't endorsed it. We ready? Okay, so first up, we have the rapper from the Wu-Tang Clan, Ghostface Killer. <laughs> Shout out, audience. Is this a trick or is it a treat? Treat. Treat. The answer is a treat. Yeah, there was a lo lot of shouts of uh, treat there. I think you guys knew on that one. What about the U2 frontman, and some might say alleged tax avoider, Bono from U2? Yeah, we, we probably want to be reasonably careful there, don't we? Let's be honest. <laughs> 
It was in the show notes, and I added the word alleged. <laughs> we are learning, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Lots of emails. Alleged tax avoider. So trick or treat? That is... <laughs> split audience, it really it's is. really yeah. split. That, that is a trick. Uh, but, but come on, who wouldn't invest in the Bono coin, in the Bono ICO? I, mean, <laughs> I, I think he would manage to launch a satellite that could orbit his own ego. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, uh, what about the former West Ham and Tottenham football manager, Harry Redknapp? Yeah. So this one's a trick and a treat. Uh, so it, it, it's all of the things. What a treat this one is. Um, so Harry Redknapp endorsed a cryptocurrency called Electroneum, which our good friend um, at FT Alphaville, uh, Kadim Shuba, then figured out was all kinds of messed up. Uh, and then he's now deleted that endorsement and backed away from it. So God bless Harry. He's not a wheeler dealer at all. He, he's not a crypto nerd. That wow, like that's blowing my mind. Uh, he he struck me as a world class cryptographer. I don't know about you. <laughs> I, I just don't understand this one. Like somebody who is genuinely known for being like a dodgy dealer, right? You know, <laughs> sorry, allegedly known for being a dodgy dealer. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, no, and, and like like, what was everybody thinking in that one? <laughs> Good question. Uh, what about Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Oh. A lot of treat. A lot of treat. He is a treat. He really yeah. is. <laughs> He's a treat for the eyes, let's be honest. Uh, but no, that is, that is a trick. Um, although on our sister podcast, Blockchain Insider, uh, which is available on iTunes now. Plug, plug, uh, plug, 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 plug. <laughs> trick. Uh, <laughs> well done, well done. Uh, we did say that that was the celebrity we'd most trust to endorse an ICO, but he's not yet done. So what about the actor and singer, the one and only Jamie Foxx? Wow, this is a knowledgeable audience. Yes, that is a treat. Back in September, Jamie Foxx promoted the token Cobin Hood, the zero-fee trading exchange. <laughs> you, know that, you know we were talking about naming things? Yeah. Um, all right, what about the, uh, the noted DJ, DJ Khaled? Again, a very knowledgeable audience. Uh, DJ Khaled promoted an Ethereum ICO via his Instagram in September, promoting Centra Tech and the CTR token, which is fantastic. What about heiress to a fortune, tabloid news fodder, and the one and only Paris Hilton? (laughs) (laughs) We can't trick this audience. (laughs) So uh, what I want to ask is, are ICOs the new Scientology? Because this seems a whole... Like, this just seems a bit eerie that that Hollywood centre of ICOs has now opened and the whole John Travolta of ICOs are now, you know, along that line. Did, did John Travolta do it, did he? No. Was it, was it in? <laughs> <laughs> trick, trick. Um, so let's say it's 1996 and I offer you two pr- prospectuses for investments and both of them sound ridiculous. One of them uh, is about selling pet supplies on the internet and the other one's about selling books and the New York Times trashes both of them as being the most ridiculous idea ever. And you bought shares in them both. If you invested in pets.com, you'd be thinking this dot-com bubble is absolutely stupid. Uh, if you invested in amazon.com and the inevitable bubble did burst and you lost... T- a hundred x your value you lost nearly all of your money but you held on to those shares till today maybe there's something there these things do tend to look different in hindsight there is both the sublime and the ridiculous in the ico space and because there is so much ridiculous we forget that there is some sublime as well but there is a way to tell the difference though right i mean some of them look like straight up regular equity and some of them look like they're rent seeking tokens and you should look out for those and well, look I don't out know for if the ones that are like i think products. there's there's obvious scams there are ones that are trying well but will end up to be scams then there are ones that are like this new thing and then there are ones that look like shares and this new thing I think needs to be defined a lot better and that's where I think different regulators around the world are wrestling with the, with the concept. I, I don't know if like Amazon in 19 whatever came along and was trying to endorse it with Paris Hilton and Harry fucking Redknapp then I'd be like <laughs> like I don't care how your fucking delivery mechanism works then that sounds fishy to me. To be you fair know? to the guys at Filecoin they didn't bring any celebrities involved and that was probably one of the best executed ICOs out there and I think 
we'll, we'll look back on that or things like that in 10 to 15 years and go, there, there was amazing things. There is a there there. But we'll also look back on this kind of stuff and it will just be very of the moment. And, and like, but, but do you think there's another culture going on within that? Whatever an ICO is or whether it's dodgy or whether it's not dodgy, isn't it just a kind of response to being fucked off with venture capital? Yeah. Is it, I mean, isn't that a good thing? Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, th- so I was at an event recently, one person clapping for you there, Monty. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think it was a startup, actually. That's, uh... <laughs> so there was, um, there was an event I was at recently where somebody said, oh, does this mean it's the end of banks? And it was a room full of VCs, and there was a VC that asked the question, is this the end of banks? And the person uh, from the ICO space, who, who I think is quite credible, turned around and said, no, it's a real threat to VCs. It's a complete change. And, and that, to me, is truly interesting. We've got to get through a couple more here, so I'll move us on. Um, what about the rapper, investor, entrepreneur, and hype man extraordinaire that is Puff Daddy P. Diddy Sean Coombs? What do we think? Trick. You are absolutely right. That is a trick. And last, but by no means least, what about the boxer who made the most money out of anybody, Floyd Money Mayweather? <laughs> that is a double treat yes 10 call points to you that is it he did it twice that's that's exactly right in the 10th uh, round right uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got to make that money for the cameras so. <laughs> all right so we're moving to our next segment and our next segment is what we call the emoji wall also known as the fintech wall of emoji and of course i guess as we reveal that people some people said we stole this format um so we brought in an authority on the subject of emoji we managed to find an absolute expert on emoji not only that we got the founder of emojipedia himself and the chief emoji officer one jeremy burge jeremy how are you sir I didn't realize I was going to be here to endorse a stolen format. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy, you've been quite busy. What have you been up to? Movie premieres and what? Uh, There was an emoji movie. Uh, David, you told me before that you saw it and I told you, don't tell me what you think. No, no, no. I I really like it. I've I've watched this movie like 20 times. Like me and my kids have watched this movie 20 times. But, uh, you know, it's a a good movie. And you were like, you were hanging out with uh, some pretty impressive people off the back of this, right? Yeah, Patrick Stewart. I'm in my day job. I'm approving emojis on the emoji committee and I run Emojipedia. (laughs) And then next thing, I'm down the red carpet with Patrick Stewart and Maya Rudolph and... I don't know. It was a bizarre experience. That's, that's pretty cool, right? Like, yeah, I gotta say, I was. It's a big departure from my day job. I'm glad to be back here with the regular folk. I mean, the stars. The stars. Of the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, um, for those of you who have been with FinTech Insider for some time, David did actually interview Jeremy way back on one of the early 30, 40 episode yeah. numbers, and you actually specifically asked for a guy with a beard and dinosaurs. So I think knowing Jeremy seems to be working. Well, well, basically, I wanted to convey myself and then the people who we work with oh <laughs> the people who you used to work with that's that's where we're saying all right so to talk us through the wall of emoji for those of you that haven't seen it um we essentially have from uh, my right to my left a different degree of coolness or not coolness so the first one here, I like to call this the raise the roof emoji. Jeremy, what's it actually called? It's called uh, raising hands and celebration. So not bad, not bad, it's pretty close. They do have official names. I feel like your official name should be more fun. Than you think it should be more fun. You think it should be called raise the roof emoji. Exactly, yeah. So if we think something is really, really good, we're gonna say it's gonna fit here. And you can see that last time we, we said that AI at this point and machine learning is very much in that category. That's what the room believed and and so we'll we'll come back to this but that's that's the cool category i like that you have this one here i know it's halloween themed but i personally use the ghost as party ghost like woohoo party ghost is in the house people party ghost is here only if you have an iphone it doesn't work on anyone the next level down from raise the hands and raise the roof is what i like to call thinky face my friend thinky face we're not quite sure what's thinky face called Uh, it's it's pretty close yeah it's called a thinking face so not bad not bad i think the letter y just adds something 
I see people call it chin thumb on Twitter. Chin thumb. Chin thumb. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like chin thumb. Uh, and then I guess this is just jack-o'-lantern, right? Yeah, yeah, jack-o'-lantern, it's a pumpkin, you know, it's, so it's spooky. Last time we weren't entirely convinced by ICOs, but this is where it landed, and we'll come back and we'll challenge it. Well, and since all the Harry Redknapp and Paris Hilton stuff, like, we're, like we trust it now, right? Yeah. It's all over there, yeah? Uh, trust. Uh, and then the sort of sideways glancing, not very convinced emoji. There must be a shorter name for this. <laughs> this, this one's called a unamused face, so oh, not bad. And next to it, we have face screaming in fear. So it's quite a, quite a spectrum. <laughs> Pretty much Home Alone, that one, but... Uh... <laughs> they're, they're quite descriptive. I'll give them yeah. that. What do you uh, mean by that? What mm. do you mean when you see unamused face? What are you... You're thinking, I don't really like this. Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, yeah, I'm meh. not convinced. Yeah, not convinced. And we had corporate VCs and Apple Pay w within that space. And of course, I think somebody from Bud disagreed with that one. Uh, and then lastly, what I guys call I'm about to vom emoji. Wow, pretty close. It's not officially called I'm about to vom. Uh, it's called... <laughs> You know what happened with this, sorry as a tangent, but uh, people kept proposing a vomiting emoji and I'm not really sure what happened, but for some reason Unicode, the body that approves the emojis, there's a whole committee, and it went, all right, no, no, we'll just do this thing called nauseated face and it's nearly vomiting. <laughs> and no one was happy with it. So this year, yesterday, I don't know if you've got any iPhone users in the room, did you get your iPhone update, iOS 11? It has a vomiting face. So, so now you can go from about to vomit to actually vomiting. Yeah, we should have just skipped the nauseating face, just gone straight to vomit. And I suspect a lot of people might need that tomorrow, which is good. <laughs> so uh, just in time, update your iPhones right now. So in this sector, with also the skull, oh, who, the skull, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's called skull. Yay. Good. Yeah, there you go. Hey, the, skull. I don't even need to be here. Yeah, I got one. <laughs> Thank you, audience. In this section, we had innovation labs from banks and large corporations, which, and sorry if you work in one of those, by the way, um, and saying we are a tech company with a balance sheet. Oh, just cringe, cringeworthy. Okay, so we're going to run back through these and just very quickly check if we agree with where they are. So first and foremost, do we think that AI belongs here with the raise the roof emoji? Yeah. Yes. Yes? Anybody violently disagrees? Give me some no's. No. Give me some yeses. Yes. All right, moving on. We have uh, ICOs. Are they still here? Are they moving this way? No. Are they moving this way? Yes. Are they moving this way? Yes. Well, okay, so I think we're... I think, so, I think here. I think like, here? Yeah. Okay, we, we will move that. We will definitely move that. So we have moved from thinky face to not very convinced meh face. Uh, we've, we've moved ICOs one section across. That, that is what we've done. Okay, so we now have a new list. We have... Has anybody followed Jamie Dimon's um, conversations recently about the subject of Bitcoin? So for those who don't know, he, he's a fun guy, isn't he? He's not not shy of the media, is he at all? He just like goes out there and says stuff. I like I can respect that. He says what's on his mind. This is for sure. So of course, Jamie Dimon came out and said Bitcoin is 100% a scam. That anybody who is caught from his company, JP Morgan, buying or selling or trading Bitcoin will be fired on the spot. Um, and this was when it was about four and a half thousand dollars, and it's now at seven thousand dollars. Just just saying. Um, so do we think that is raise the roof call for Mr. Jamie Dimon to be doing? Silence is deafening. Do we think that is thinky face? Uh, he might have a point. A murmur. Do we think that is meh? He should have probably, he's kind of got a point, but uh, he's been a bit on call. Okay, bit of enthusiasm. Do we think he's being vom? Ooh, so that's close. It's like in the middle of thinky face, no, sorry, meth face and vom. So it's a bit meh, it's a bit vom. We're, we're, we're not really convinced. Okay, next up, robots will replace your staff. Are robots gonna replace your staff for definite? This is a raise the roof. Hold on. What, what about if we do this? What about if I move slowly across and as I get to the point, you start to cheer? Okay, I, we'll do a volume thing. <laughs> that's a better format. You, you just discovered something there, Jason. Well done. You, you, so, that's robots will replace your staff is in the thinky face category. 
Yeah, that's yeah. I'm all, I'm on board. I'm not a fintech expert. I'm here to approve the emojis, and I agree they're good emojis. <laughs> How non-committal? Okay, so P2P payments, peer-to-peer payments. Where do these belong at the moment? We're going to move slowly across the. Or oh, we've moved through Thinky Face. We're down into Unamused. Yeah, we're down into Vom. People don't care. Like, like I'm dropping that one. That's that's not even going on the wall. No one cares. So celeb crypto endorsements. What do we think? So through the hands up emoji, through the thinky emoji, through the unamused emoji, through the vo- celeb crypto endorsements are in the. In the what's it called? We really needed the actual vomit for that one, the, the nauseated vomit. one. But we'll take it. We'll call it the vom for now. These were probably printed before yesterday. iPhone <laughs> X, the best phone in the world. It's pronounced ten. It's ten. iPhone ten. <laughs> I didn't want to be that guy, but you know, someone in the ro- someone in the room was thinking it. I just needed to say it. For Emoji that. expert and Apple naming expert. Okay, iPhone X. Simon, you're not allowed to vote on this. Okay, so we move down through the hands up emoji. I'm hovering over the hands up emoji. Hovering. Moving through the thinky face. Yeah, through the. How is the iPhone 10 in the. In, I'm going to even move further. Like, does it get into the VOM category? No, okay, thinky. We're in the unamused. Unamused. And what's the other uh, one called? Well, we've got a face screaming in fear. So it's kind of, it's a pretty wild range there, but iPhone do, face screaming in fear. I think, I think, I think that'll pro- predominantly because it costs a thousand pounds, right? That's the yeah. face screaming in fear of the amount of money you're about to spend. I have two of them on the way. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm happy to put it in the top category. That Patrick Stewart money. Doing all right, isn't it? Jesus. When you're in the tech, you got to order them both. One will go back sometime, but you know, I'll take two rather than none. And so, how do you how do you rate the Pixel Two? Woo! <laughs> so we move down through the hands up emoji. Uh, move to the thinky face. Move to the unamused. Move to the vom. Wow, Pixel Two. With its blotchy screen. Oh dear. <laughs> now this is a good one. Given, given everybody who had their hands up earlier on, it's gonna be really interesting to, and no, Jason, I want you to do this one. <laughs> so this is challenger bank outages, because we've had a lot of them lately. I like it. No, no, it's not down there. It's gonna be on there. <laughs> Okay, so let's start in the hands up emoji. I thank you. That's support. Support for my comrades that have had troubles over the last few uh, weeks, months, years. Uh, So, hands up. Thinky face. So, unamused. Very unamused. Vom. Oh, there's like, there's again, not much voting. So is that is that not much voting because we don't care or or why? Like nice. Take that, Brit. Okay, being the Uber of. I think this is a setup, to be honest. Like that can't mean a good thing anymore, can it? Like anybody, just like do me a favor. Anybody who goes to a conference where somebody says this now, just point out really fucking quickly. That can't be a good thing anymore. Do you think the government's like the Uber of politics? <laughs> Come on, get the David's doing it with a shrugging face emoji. It was very good. It's very good. Very on brand. Being the Uber of. Hands up, thinky face, unamused, vomit, beyond vomit, like way back, living with the fintech unicorn who hates AI. I, I, I think we're, I think we're over there. All right, Jeremy, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy. (laughs) 
a big, big thank you to Jeremy for helping us on that one. It's good to know that we had an official adjudicator there. I feel like it was some the Guinness Book of World Records, the Guinness Book of Emoji. Like you should, you should think about that. It's, it's got to happen. So um, before we get back to the news, we just wanted to thank our sponsors. The Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white. When you need the full perspective, turn to FT.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription. Fintech innovation is changing the way we bank. And the speed we deploy new customer experiences is vital. Onboarding the right Fintech partners can take months. Do you have time to lose? Introducing the Innovation Acceleration Platform from Temenos. Test fintech solutions at speed with real data straight from the core banking system. With a yearly subscription, you can begin testing the same day and create new customer experiences in no time. For more details, visit marketplace.temenos.com. Let's get back to the news. I don't know why I felt like so Radio 2DJ there. Bringing us back in, David, um, there's a story here on Business Insider, submitted to fintechinsidernews.com by Alex S., our very own. 68% of small and medium businesses view banks as utility providers. Yeah, kind of terrifying, right? So this is, um, this is some statistics that have come out from Strands, our uh, friends over in the uh, PFM world. But this is, um, like say, 68% of SMEs view banks as utility providers. 8% viewed their bank as a business partner. That's pretty fucking terrifying really isn't it like what does the other bunch of people actually think that the bank is actually doing um but i I think this is the continual trend and we've talked about this a bunch of times before on the podcast about the really underserved sme market you know i'm sure like give me as entrepreneurs in the room like who's who started a startup there's a bunch of hands coming up really all right, Jason, put your hand down. Jesus. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, the amount of people that actually need just crazy amount of support in terms of actually what they're doing. And this isn't just about financial support. It's about everything that it takes to actually run a business. You know, these things are really, really, really important in terms of uh, everything that's coming through. And it just feels like from these statistics that the, the banks aren't really providing that stuff. What do you think? Um, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, as a challenger bank that's focused on lending to SMEs, you know, we came to market specifically for that reason. I think um, if anyone saw the or read the CMA, the Competition Market Authority's retail banking investigation last year, they would have seen that about 90% of SMEs bank with the big five banks. Um, and the sort of the, the remedies from the report were just like, oh, well, we'll just create a price comparison website and then they can switch from one bank to one of the new providers like Tide or some of the others. But I think it's just completely the wrong mentality. If you look at the consumer or retail space, consumers are encouraged to shop around for the best product. So they might, you know, I have my ISA with Nutmeg and my credit card with British Airways and my current account with, you know, Monzo slash First Direct because I go with, with you know, the, the, ba- the banks that I think service my needs best. Whereas in the SME space, it's just like, oh, we'll solve the problem if we can get a business to switch their current account and their savings account and their loans to just from one bank to another. And actually, if they shopped around, they could perhaps get, you know, their loan from Oak North and their current account from, you know, Starling or Tide and, and so on. But I think that's, uh, that's something that really needs to change in the rhetoric. Mm. No, I completely agree. Because like I say, even uh, just getting a bank account in the first place can be a kind of eight to 12 week exercise in terms of uh, everybody going through. So, you know, you can register a company, you can find customers, but you can't actually get a bank account to trade, which is just it's mental. It's very true. And the regulators, uh, not maybe, maybe not the regulators, that's actually unfair. The policy response has traditionally been from various um, parts of the world. uh, Why don't we just increase competition? Why don't we just uh, help you switch? Why don't we just help you get more access and see that there are other accounts there? But the switching hasn't really happened. It's typically been the market has driven a new proposition, and that's what's made people switch. So I wonder if there's more of an awareness and an advertising thing. I mean, Charlie, Monty, do do you have some thoughts? My my question would be to you about why you set it up in the first place, which is a great opportunity for you, right? So, So what do you think about that? Well, I mean, we sort of said that if you look at the larger end of the market, so sort of 25 million plus, loans of 25 million plus, um, there's a, there's, from the big banks, they actually have a, an impetus to serve uh, businesses who are looking for that kind of loan. You know, there's, there's a, a need to go then say, okay, well, the resources and the time we'll spend underwriting the loan, it makes it uh, commercially viable. 
If you look at the sub half million pound, uh, it can actually be quite well served again by the big banks or by the fintechs who can you know, underwrite a loan and can actually transact a loan in a very short period of time. But what you find then is actually in that middle uh, area where you've got you know, half a million up to 25 million where actually you'd have to do a lot more underwriting to underwrite the loan, uh, to, to, to make the loan less, uh, from a risk perspective, to feel comfortable. Um, and that's where we, sort of, where we sort of play. We said, well, that's the portion of the market that's being really underserved because it's not quite big enough for the big banks to say, yeah, we really want to do it, but it's not quite small enough uh, for them to, to just be able to, to underwrite it in 24 hours or a matter of hours. So you guys lend 25 million plus? Up to 25 million. So uh, we do half a million up to 25 million. We should chalk at the bar. <laughs> The, the, I mean, I don't know if you saw the subtitle, but it was something like 68% of SMEs feel like they don't have a personal relationship with their bank, which for a start sounds weird. Like, you know, 98% of the people I know I don't have a personal relationship with. But it made me think of the, the adverts <laughs> I keep hearing about... You oh, said we were friends. <laughs> you're in the 2%, you're yeah, fine. Um, but it made me think about the adverts I keep hearing for things like NatWest, which is, oh, we realised that we should have a better relationship with our customers. And I just felt like, well, that's like my friend when I was at school poking me saying, I want to be a friend, I want to be a friend. I don't want to be a friend because you're creepy and weird. Exactly, yeah, that's what I mean, right? I want, to be, I want to be friends with a guy who's an astronaut because that's really cool and he's got a cool thing. I don't want to be just a weird guy. There are some weird people in the world, but uh, um, there's, there's definitely the lack of weirdness in this story, Valentino. I, I like this story a lot. An American banker.com submitted to uh, Fintech Insider News by, well, you. The story here from American Banker is, in Israel, women running banks is the norm. So I really, really love the story. It was written by the um, CEO of Lumi Bank, which is one of uh, Israel's largest banks. I'm not going to try and pronounce her, her name because I'll definitely get it wrong. Um, but a, a sort of brief history as to why um, you know, there's actually, it's actually the, that sector is dominated by women. Um, so Israel became uh, independent in 1948. So it's a, still a very young country, about 69 years old. Um, and essentially, they decided that if they were going to survive as a nation, they needed they couldn't afford to have sort of passive, submissive, obedient women. So everything the society is is much more equal. So women are, for example, conscripted into military service, the same as men. Um, and what you see today is that three of the country's leading banks are run by women. Whereas if you look in the UK, there's still more people called John than there are women running FTSE 100 companies. Um, <laughs> In, in Israel, the governor of the Bank of Israel is a woman, the supervisor of banks is a woman, the director of the capital market is a woman, the director of insurance is a woman, and the director of the savings authority is a woman. Um, so I think it's, it's just setting a really, really good example, and I just thought it was a brilliant article and, and really, really interesting. But, it, but it's, it's not the only place as well, is it? I think I actually commented on this, uh, this story, but actually many places in Africa have now m mandated a quota, well over 50% of, of women to actually run not only elements of the government, but into uh, you know, key roles within financial services. And it's like in, in Africa, it's actually an accepted thing that, that women are, are less corruptible within financial services than men are, which is a, a, like, a, a, like, a, like given we've got an audience, that seems like an interesting thing to, uh, to maybe do a vote on. But um, but I, I kind of feel like the um, the the idea that um, you know within sort of uh, traditional and actually in you know westernized world that's meant to be more civilized that this is a this is a problem. But in ve very many areas that are really sort of moving to towards adopting these things, that actually it's just a norm. It's um, it's kind of quite quite. Well, when we were really. in uh, Copenhagen with Money Twenty Twenty, the number of senior women in Chinese fintechs, Rita Liu in, was it Alipay? Um, and uh, uh, there just seemed to be like a large number of senior women who we were talking to and interviewing. Well, in, in Australia as well, right? We were out in Australia. It's, it's, it's just, it seems like it seems to be a problem in Europe mainly and, and the US, right? Yeah, I mean, I know that there's a sort of, it's a very controversial issue about sort of creating a, a quota and saying, oh, well, 30% of the board has to be women or 40% of the board has to be women. And it's sort of an ongoing debate. But I think their unconscious bias just exists I mean, it's, in, it's not just in, in financial services. I mean, it's across sectors. And I read a really interesting case study um, about uh, orchestras in the US, so the top five uh, orchestras. And in the 1970s, uh, only, women made up only 5% of the orchestras. And by the 1980, that figure had increased to 35%. And all that they did was they put up a screen. So when the judges were listening, they were just basing it purely on the music um, and not on what they were seeing. And in 10 years, that meant that there were 30% more women in orchestras. Judge on results. Um, next story is one from, well, 
Uber.com, um, submitted to Fintech Insider News by our very own Ross Methan. Speaking of uh, challenges, I think, with diversity, Uber.com, of course, Uber launches their own credit card. Jason, you had the download on this one. Now, whatever you think of Uber, this credit card seems pretty good. So, new card, no annual fee, offers a bonus of $100 after spending $500 on purchases. Perks include... 4% cash back on restaurants, takeout bars, including Uber Eats. 3% back on airfare hotels, including Airbnb. I mean, this just sounds like startup nirvana on a credit card. 2% back on online purchases, including streaming services like Spotify. I'm just hitting all those, all those notes, aren't I? The entire audience is like, oh, I want this card. Um, and card users will also receive an annual $50 subscription card they can use on Spotify, Netflix, or Amazon Prime. I mean, this, this baby has been built for you. And what, whose systems is it running on? Looking at you, Frankie. Barclays are delivering this uh, proposition. I mean, wow. Unless there's a surge at some stage, <laughs> a few weeks later. But, but I mean, this, this just completes it all. I've been spending internationally, subscri- uh, subsidised by VC money, having food delivered, subsidised by VC money, taxes, subsidised. I've been waiting ages to actually just spend money, subsidised by VC money. I, I feel like we should go back to the VC wall and, like, move those guys... <laughs> like, everybody loves VCs, right? Come on. <laughs> when they're subsidising my stuff, absolutely, Charlie. The, the, so the, the whole basis that everybody was getting excited about this was customer data, customer data. They get more data about everything you do, they get inside your head, and yet I haven't really seen the massive monetization of value of that unless you're literally selling it and they've said we're not selling it in which case are you doing better targeted ads or what is the actual value of knowing my inside leg measurement i suspect nothing very cool all right last story we have we've got to come to the last story uh, david there's one here on business insider and this one 11 jokes that show off amazon alexa's sense of humor david take it away i'm gonna apologize already right the fact that there are 11, I'm just saying we kind of went with. I'm sorry. <laughs> Apologies. It's almost like we had a reason for I that. I know. It's like, it's a weird reason, right? But most of these jokes are fucking terrible. They really are. I vaguely remember having this conversation on Slack earlier on. Um, but um, no, it's, a, it's an interesting one that actually they've started to build humor in inverted commas for everybody listening on the podcast, but everybody in the audience can get this, uh, into what actually Alexa was. And I, I kind of feel like there was a few sort of interesting ones in here. I vaguely flirted with the idea of doing the, the rap that Alexa did, but I felt better of it. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sorry, crowd. I know you would like to see me humiliate myself, but uh, I, di- I know I didn't, I didn't have enough drink to do it. I would have maybe had a good, another couple of goes if I'd have got a couple more beers, but, uh, but um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. And a lot of them are very, very US. So hold on, hold on, because you didn't explain what rap. Like, am I, no, Alexa I'm was gonna, doing a rap? Don't, don't try and fucking con me into doing a rap. <laughs> like, I know your game. I've played this before. Um, but no, there were, there were some really interesting ones in here, basically like Halloween jokes and very, various different things. But uh, the one that I actually really did like was, um, if you say, Alexa, I've got 99 problems, then she comes back with, but a glitch ain't one. Uh-huh. And on that note... On that note... Um, that wraps up another new show. Thank you very much to our fantastic guests. Uh, Valentina, where can people find out more about you? Uh, yes, you can connect with me directly um, on Twitter or LinkedIn, um, at Val Christensen, with a K and no H. Um, and if you want to find out more about Oak North, then it's www.oaknorth.com. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Valentina. Charlie, what about you? Uh, it's going to be a handwritten letter, at least. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on all sorts of websites to do with Capco, I suspect. Fantastic. And Monty? Oh, uh, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have to swear at you? Is that how they get your attention? <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Monty. Ladies and gentlemen. It would be remiss of me if I didn't thank our incredible, incredible 11 media team that made this event possible. I want to thank, first of all, Matt for all the hard work in planning the event. Matt, where are you, sir? (laughs) Wherever you are, Matt, thank you. 
Um, Ollie, Ollie, make wave your arms somewhere for stage managing. Ollie. Martin, our resident roadie for the sound engineering. Martin, thank you. Simone, for the logo, the artwork, the things you see on the t-shirts, the things you see behind us, Simone. Of course, Amy for turning the artwork into t-shirts and curating the emoji wall and drawing on people's faces. Amy, thank you so much. We have Terence on the camera work. Our very own word nerd, Laura, for scripting and planning the show. Laura. And finally, the man without whom none of this would be possible, our amazing, amazing sound editor, Mr. Michael Bailey. Michael Bailey. We've got to thank WeWork for all the help putting on this event and letting us use this space. And thank you to you guys. Give yourself an amazing cheer. Come on. If you don't already know, you can find out more about us at 11fs.com or check out Fintech Insider on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, look out for the pictures from tonight. There will be videos. Um, there will be evidence um, of, of <laughs> how drunk you got. Um, and lastly, we're going to twist your arm. We'd love it if you gave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us so much. So please, please do that. Thank you very much and good night. <laughs> <laughs>